Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Mr. Beacon, the podcast for location-aware IoT solution designers. My name's Steve Statler of Williot, and earlier this week I had the pleasure of interviewing Aida Osei, an IoT strategist, about the state of the Internet of Things. We hope you enjoy. Aida, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. I'm glad to be here with you guys. So we are old friends and colleagues. Um, I invited you on the show because you have recently left a giant in the Internet of Things. So you used to work at, uh, at Intel, and um, I think your title was director of something to do with IoT. Well, can you remind us what it was? Sure. It was marketing and business development focused primarily on the, uh, the low-end roadmap. Uh, so basically silicon products. Um, and associated um, ecosystem development for the low power uh, side of things. So not data center, but uh, really the things part of, of, of IoT. And before that, you worked at Qualcomm. We both worked at Qualcomm, and we were both in the strategy group at uh, Qualcomm Retail, where we did a bit of everything, but IoT was in the mix there as well. And so, you know, my reason for inviting you on here, or well, Acres. You're really smart, and I just always get a lot out of our conversations, and I wanted to share that. But I have this kind of philosophy that you have to talk to people that are working in the business to get an insight into what's going on. But the problem is, when they're actually working for these big companies, they have an agenda. They have to. You know, they have to kind of toe the line and so forth. And um, you, you don't work for Intel anymore. You don't work for Qualcomm anymore. You're just Aido and... You know, I think it's fair to say you've kind of moved to another role in, in a very cutting-edge industry into the payment space, but you're now free to just talk about what you think. And we're not going to ask you to dish the dirt, but I just really wanted the opportunity to catch you when you've just left the Internet of Things ecosystems. You've got a bunch of stuff in your head, and you can just share your thoughts. Um, so sure. that's kind of the premise for this call. Sure, absolutely. That sounds great. Let's let's get at it. I guess the first question that I have to ask you though is you've you've just left a job right at the center of the Internet of Things. Should we interpret this as a vote of no confidence in the Internet of Things? <laughs> Not at all. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I've come to appreciate with IoT is it is a massive transformation that's taking place on a number of different fronts. And it's hard to think of any industry right now which isn't in some way being 
touched or completely transformed by this new trend, uh, which is represented by this moniker called IoT, which means everything and nothing at the same time in some cases. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, it is monument. I think there's almost no C-level executive that I can think of that doesn't have an IoT strategy in some way, shape, or form. So it's a very real phenomenon. And, uh, you know, I think it represents an opportunity for businesses to uh, either exist into the, you know, the next era or be taken out. We shouldn't discount it. And I mean, I, I was at an IoT conference just a few months ago and they were queuing around the corner. So, uh, I mean, that's just one measure of the health of the Internet of Things. And obviously there are other more important measures we'll get onto later. But I, I got to ask you, what does the Internet of Things mean to you now? And how has that changed over the years as you've kind of moved from role to role and, and the ecosystem itself has evolved? Well, I think... Uh to put it in the context of Gartner and the hype, the hype cycle, you know, uh, it has moved from being a very trendy buzzword to uh, being a very real uh, strategic approach to how businesses will deliver value to their customers in the future. Um, as a result of the very real uh, Moore's Law, um, which has transformed, the, you know, the cost and the economies of scale achievable at you know, for computing connectivity, um, I think it's in, entirely uh, likely that we will see continued evolution and in, in dollars being placed into this space. I think corporations are going to continue to spend a lot of R&D dollars. A lot of startups are going to be developing and innovating, putting pressure on incumbents in all types of various sectors. I think the challenge with IoT, and this is where you get an appreciation having been in the business, is uh, it's not entirely clear uh, how you get the return on your investment in the short term for some of these uh, technology innovations. Clearly, we know that you know there's technology breakthroughs and then there are business model uh, breakthroughs as well. And those two things have to meet up at the right time to, uh, to get a scalable business out of it. <clears throat> but for those that are not really playing and investing and learning, I think they will be left behind. So there's a lot of money going into it. Everyone's got a strategy. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to make money out of it. But what is it? What is the Internet of Things? Well, I think it's the, the intersection of uh, low power, low compute uh, technology that allows things to be connected to the Internet in some way, shape or form. Uh, it is the nearly ubiquitous access to um, processing and data that can be streamed up to the cloud and aggregated to form, in some cases, insights that could transform the way that we do business or the way we live our lives. And uh, most of all, I think there's an opportunity to reconfigure the way that um, that, uh, that's way that services and products get delivered to, to end users. Right, and the experience by which users uh, engage with those technologies. So it's a pretty broad set of statements that I just made and somewhat um, arcane. But there's really an intersection of a lot of different trends that represent IoT. You know, I think the easiest way to think about IoT is in some of the products that have become so popular in recent years. You know, the Amazon Alexa is a perfect example of something that to deliver a service like that as seamless 
as low cost and in, with high quality and reliability uh, five or ten years ago would have been unheard of. You know, you're getting an Alexa experience for under fifty dollars today, and that's just uh, tremendous, right? And the the quality of uh, of the connection, the responsiveness, the latency, the low latency, uh, all of these things would not have been po possible technology-wise. Um, you know, even five years ago, a product like that happens when various components and, and ingredients are made available to very smart people. And then if you can wrap a business model around it like Amazon has done so wisely, uh, you've got something that could transform not only your living room, but it can transform the way that you interact with you know, everything around you. So you like what Amazon are doing. That seems, yeah. uh, that seems clear. I'd love to hear the companies that you think are, that are big, that have got it wrong. That's probably asking <laughs> a lot of you because... I don't know, you probably don't want to burn those bridges, but I'd love to hear a little bit about, give us kind of in veiled terms what you think the wrong approach is, and then I'm going to ask you, give you a chance to talk about, say nice things about people. But what are the things, you know, what are the just the brain dead things that really big, smart companies with brilliant people in that are doing that, and again, you don't need to name names, although I'd love it if you did. What, what's, going, what's going wrong in the IoT? Well, I think... Uh you have some very ambitious companies that have kind of coined the term IoT and smart city and smart. So you got you have the big guys that got out there early, you know, the IBMs, the Cisco's, the Intel's, to mm -hmm. some extent, you know, even companies like Microsoft have gotten out there and in some cases have gotten ahead of their skis. You know, when you particularly if you think about an area that I used to work in, like smart cities. Mm -hmm. And you go and you get a, you know, all of these mayors and, and uh, city leaders and municipal leaders and government agencies really excited about this technology uh, and what can be done with the data and what can be done to improve citizens' lives. But without really understanding the mechanism of how funds are allocated and how these projects would be financed, you know, a lot of these smart city initiatives lead to you know disappointing implementations right and I, I saw a stat recently that indicated that somewhere around 60 percent of iot projects never make it out of the poc stage right and to some extent that's just a function of the fact that we're still learning what to do with this technology it's kind of technology searching for a problem that people are willing to pay for mm -hmm. right so when you have really big companies uh with big professional service staff and they want to kind of sell what they've been selling you know for years and years and years to you know to cities or or industries sometimes that's the wrong approach particularly when you wrap that in a iot marketing message right yeah. because in some case in, in some cases you're missing the the overall point in that you really need to deliver value at the end of the day yeah right you've got to solve a meaningful problem and that problem needs to to have a market that's big enough to justify the investment. So, yeah, it sounds like part of the problem is everyone thinks IoT is big, and so they get kind of this directive to do some IoT things, and then normal common sense gets suspended, and so they just don't think through user experience, business model, and and you know maybe in some cases you just got to decide you're going to do something. But uh, um, well, I've always felt, Steve, that there's this tension, you know, and I've spent more more time on kind of the industrial IoT side than the consumer IoT side. But I do think there's this tendency to want to have it both ways, which is you want to have it open and interoperable, 
for flexibility and to build the ecosystem, but at the same time, you want to own the stack, mm -hmm. right? And those two things are hard to, to do at the same time, number one. And number two, you have the innovative dilemma, which is, you know, by investing in something that could be very disruptive on one end, you could erode the value of your core business on the other. So, you know, there's a very real uh, risk that big companies take on uh, which is why I think they go in with a big, in, you know, a big play to to own the the term and to own the uh, the mind share in this arena, so that they can sell the full stack. Right? Yeah. But so, uh, it, I think it free in some cases it freezes the the buyer because the buyer the buyer becomes so confused with all of the options that it, it becomes hard for them to make a big decision. Yeah, so if you're a GE or one of any of these big companies, then someone in your strategy group is saying, we need to own this, and they're going to kind of brand a framework, and it's just going to get terribly ambitious. Um, what, are the, what are the kind of more focused initiatives that you've seen? What are the good things that you've seen? You talked about one, which was uh, Amazon and uh, Alexa, which, which I, I'm just addicted to. Um, yeah. Any other, what are some other examples? Well, from an, a vertical industry perspective, I think the smart, the smart energy business is really interesting because you have a very complex problem in terms of how we can be more energy efficient in our buildings and in our homes, mm -hmm. how we can make better use of renewables, and how we can uh, do a better job predicting the demand for energy uh, it's particularly in states like yours in California, but really globally. And it's a pretty tough, challenging uh, problem, both technology-wise and in terms of human behavior and incenting the right behavior, as well as there's a complex regulatory environment there as well. But I've seen some really interesting and innovative approaches that rely on IoT to, uh, to get in there and predict and better manage uh, energy usage in the home or in a building to provide more real-time response to demand management scenarios where you, where you need to actually reduce energy for some event. Um, and there's incentives behind some of this stuff. And there's a real energy economy that exists there that's real dollars. Uh, it's, it's relatively real-time. Real and uh, I see it, it as being a really good place to invest uh, dollars from a, both a university research perspective as well as uh, you know company perspective. It's a slow moving market, but I think there's some big transformative things to happen in that space. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Yeah, and you can see a lot of opportunities in that from everything from the smart metering, getting the energy there to how is it being consumed and so forth. The timing that Nest Labs had in identifying, you know, and I owned my Nest um, and I loved it, right? And And they got it right in that they didn't just focus on the value to the consumer and forget about the value to the utility. They found a way to provide value to multiple sides of the um, platform that they that they uh, delivered and a great user experience around it. So, you know. so yeah, we got Google with Nest, uh, which they I guess they they acquired after it was clearly a good thing. And then we've got Amazon with Alexa. Any any other specific examples of companies that are doing it right? I think Microsoft. Uh, I'm impressed with the turnaround that Microsoft has had under their new CEO. Um, I think uh, anybody who talks about Azure and what you can do with Azure and, uh, you know, how that has become a real contender in the cloud space to um, AWS, I think they do a good job of kind of providing a service to developers. They understand how to build applications on top of it. Uh, I think Windows 10 and what they want to do, uh, what used to be called Athens, but, you know, the, the the really tiny footprint around Windows 10, I think, is interesting. So um, I think they get IoT, and I like some of the industrial and enterprise solutions that they're putting together. Nice. So you've spoken to the cloud, and you've t- described some edge user interface technology. Um, one of the elements of this cocktail of what is IoT is these low-power, wide-area network standards, LoRa and so forth. Tell us a little bit about, I mean, that seems to be at the core of IoT. Would you agree? And, and what do you think is happening there? And where's that going to go? Is how important is it? I think it's. I mean, <clears throat> particularly with some of my my former employers, Laura was one of you know any low power, wide area, sub gigahertz type technology is uh, is interesting and a bit worrying to some extent, right? Because here you have technology that is delivering great value for how much it costs to implement. And I think even from a total cost of ownership perspective, you know, I think there are studies that say that uh, kind of a LoRa network uh, delivers good value for bursty type applications that are not mission critical. Um, And to some extent, I think uh, um, some of the other proprietary sub-gigahertz network providers, um, both in the U.S. and abroad in the U.K., have delivered uh, are delivering some really good applications around environmental monitoring, um, you know, some in-building type networks, um, and they seem to be quite resilient and reliable if you have the right mesh topology deployed on top. Um, and the, what you can do from a battery uh, power perspective is quite impressive uh, relative to what's available on the market from a cellular perspective today. Now, what I think as we move to uh, CAT-M and narrowband IoT, it will be interesting to see what the global carriers do with their their plans for the data plans for uh, those types of networks. And I think that eventually you could have a scenario where narrowband IoT heading into 5G could be the death of, you know, like a LoRa or at least cap the upside growth potential of Allura. But that's probably at least a good four or five years out. Um, and right now, I would imagine that 
that people are probably not waiting to implement their solutions on LoRa. So just so I understand this, so 5G is coming, whatever that is. Um, yeah. Part of, It means lots of things, but part of it is an IoT thing and uh, uh, where you can basically use some of this license spectrum for linking sensors over really, you know, the widest area network. And I think what you're saying is the carriers are not just going to sit back and let LoRa work in unlicensed spectrum and that there's going to be... Um, they're going to, you know, what, why, why will they succeed? I mean, if I can use LoRa in unlicensed spectrum, I don't, I don't have to pay them for a subscription or anything, and I can put up my own gateways and so forth. Why would I not just continue doing that? Why would I go back into the clutches of a Verizon or an AT&T? Yeah, I think it comes down to, you know, just the classic buyer's decision of how much trouble they want to take on and own themselves Right, particularly as it relates to things like quality of service. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if you have to uh, have someone maintain your network and you want to put devices in the field and you want to not touch those devices for seven years, you want to make sure that you're not relying on a company that may not be here in seven years to, uh, to, you know, to do that. Uh, so I think as you start talking about the utilities, um, as you talk, start talking about smart metering, as you start talking about um, really global companies that want to deliver, you know, one SKU and have that SKU work regardless of where it's deployed, um, you don't want to have to be invo- uh, you don't want to have to be uh, handcuffed by the regional peculiarities of you know what's happening in the sub gigahertz space because you're going to have congestion in some areas. You're going to have the inability for your your LoRa network to to fully propagate and deliver the data in a timely fashion in some cases, um, but you know this is a longer term thing. But I think eventually the cellular technology, if the pricing is right, I think it's going to deliver better quality of service and more reliable for serious applications that get deployed at scale. Yeah, I'm reminded that. It's tough selling to the utilities because they they expect this stuff to last a very long time, and the, the you know the fact that you've got technology that's being obsoleted and companies that are changing hands is kind of scary for those guys that are really de- deploying. Yeah, on a for very short-term time. deployments that are fairly localized, you know, I think it's okay. I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna continue to have LoRa be used in a city. You know, if you're you're localized to a city and you know, it's okay if the, the equipment is end of life at, three, at the end of three years. It's not a big deal. You know, I, I consider that there would be a place for that type of technology. But I think for anything that requires, you know, a level of confidence that you're going to get the data at a specific interval, regardless of how much congestion uh, or interference is around, you're going to have to go with more of a license ban solution. And assuming that the technology that's been specified by release 13 gives you the power um, profile and envelope uh, that's expected, I think that people will eventually decide to, to continue to move in that direction. And release 13, that's that's kind of basically part of the carrier standard. GDP, for... That's right. Okay. Um, well, we're going to wind it up a little bit, but I do have a few more questions. And one is, you know, the first kind of really basic question is, do you consider Bluetooth beacons, beacon technologies as 
and these sensors as, as part of IoT? Absolutely. Um, you know, the way that we've thought about it in the past is there's kind of three phases of IoT, right? You've got kind of the phase where you're connecting things that have never been connected to the internet. That's the connectivity piece. And then you've got kind of the smart piece. So it's smart and connected. Uh, and then the third is the third phase is really, you know, how do you move to a place where things operate autonomously without the need of human intervention? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think biggins have a place in providing context for either mobile applications or remote applications so that they understand more about their environment and provide proximal services. And the beacons today that we have tend to be fairly simple because this, the computer in our pocket is so capable, right? Um, I do think there are use cases where beacon beaconing will be deployed within things like uh, outdoor furniture or outdoor lighting to you know create uh, proximal services for either vehicles or humans and those use cases I think will be pretty interesting um, I think we're in the early days for BLE beacons and uh, we've had some false starts in different industries trying to figure out you know is this going to be a retail play is it going to be a city advertising play so there there's multiple ways in which this could go but uh, it's definitely a, a firm part of, of IoT. Ayudo, uh, thanks very much for taking time out of your day. Uh, you're definitely one of the smartest people I've worked with in, uh, in the Qualcomm um, uh, part of our, uh, our careers together, which was actually a company full of really smart people. So uh, um, it's, it's been great to chat with you, and uh, it's thanks, always Steve. a pleasure. Appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Yeah. See you next time. Take care. So, you know, the most important question with all these interviews is what are the three songs that you're going to take to Mars with you, Aida? <laughs> well, I happen to have the benefit and the curse of, of having a dad who's kind of an audiophile. Oh. So I grew up with a pretty eclectic uh, taste in music, but uh, most of what I like is uh, kind of old school R&B. So you'll, you'll get uh, one selection would be Stevie Wonder. Uh-huh. Uh, Golden Lady. Golden Lady, did you say? That is a classic. Yeah, uh-huh. Stevie Wonder, Golden Lady. That's one I never get tired of. All right. Um, uh, Sly and the Family Stone would be another one. Everyday People. All right. That's a feel-good tune. Yeah. We, we, we need more feel-good tunes these days. We certainly do. Uh, and then uh, I probably would have to go with... Uh, uh, early 80s hip hop for the last one, which would be Run DMC. Okay, uh, which, which, Rockbox. Rockbox. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. And so, you, your dad was an audiophile. Was he in the business, or this was just kind of a hobby of his? Oh no, it was a hobby. Uh, he he had a ex, uh, very uh, extensive vinyl collection, and when hi-fi systems were were the rage, and Bose 901s were just just came out and you know he was just into all this stuff pretty early on so uh, I, I constantly had loud music blasting in our house oh well, that's great <laughs> really and, and, good stuff. and did it have a, a last from, uh, everything from Pink Floyd to Bob Marley to you know the OJ's so. a man of good taste a man yeah. of good taste it's wonderful okay well thanks very much for that
Absolutely. Appreciate it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.